Welcome to the Best of Seven podcast. And while my normal co-host Kyle Scoops Coster is off hunting down all the latest breaking news and writing long features about the world of sports media, which you should definitely check out on thebiglead.com, I've got to have a substitute host today. And so we brought on Liam McCune, somebody who, like me, is very passionate about our topic today, which is the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Uh, Liam, I've got to know, what is your connection to Marvel? Like, do, were you a comic book reader? Because I was not. I just fell in love with the movies uh, when they started coming out. Of course, first with Iron Man years ago. I was and still am not a comic book reader, but I was 12, sorry, when the first Iron Man movie came out that launched this whole, Ouch. So basically the <laughs> development of this movie franchise and all of the all of the characters and all of the blockbuster films have essentially grown with me as a person. So I can almost use like the timeline of the MCU to point out significant moments in my life. So it has a lot of like emotional connection, but honestly, I just love that they're just awesome. They're so, they're so cool. And I've always been like a fantasy, like fiction kind of guy when I was growing up, when I read all the time, which surprise, surprise, the guy who writes for a living was a big reader growing up. So I just, they're, they are my like, they, they are my blockbuster movie series, just like of my life. Like, I don't think there's a lot that compares in terms of the scope, especially with how crazy they're going to get over the next 10 years or so. But for people, you know, who listening, who, you know, maybe like it was Star Wars or maybe it was Back to the Future, like these are the movies that I watched when I was like in that teenager role, when you first start to like develop your own interests and understand what you want to see from this sort of thing instead of just watching the movie. Well, and if you, it, it's amazing to think back because it seems like there was a new one coming out every few months. So it felt like it didn't take that long for it all to happen. But Iron Man came out in 2008. And Avengers Endgame came out in 2019. I mean, it was 11 years. And so that is a huge chunk of a lifetime for anybody, especially when you're in your formative years. So I understand your connection to them. Especially, I mean, look, these movies are so well done. Mm-hmm. And so you have a connection. to them. So I, I haven't introduced the topic. It, it, we are going to rank the top seven Marvel movies. We, uh, uh, our lists, of course, there is a caveat here. And as we were preparing our list, we don't know what the other's list is, as, as usually happens on this podcast, but we kind of went back and forth about this. And I made the executive decision that we're not including any of the Avengers movies, because quite frankly, three of the Avengers movies would be in my top seven. And I want to sort of explore the more character, you know, based uh, versions. I, I think, I think that's the way to do it. I, I understand, like, look, I could put, the top, the three Avengers movies at the top three and argue that and, and, and might not be correct, but I think that you can make that argument. So I wanted to kind of explore the rest of the universe because we know the Avengers movies are going to be great. It's easy when you're putting that many stars in a movie to, well, it's, it's probably hard to pull it off, but it's easy to love that movie because there's so many stars that we love. Uh, so we're going to examine the other ones the, and, and rank a top seven. There's 24 movies. We've seen them all. We've seen the TV shows. We've seen everything. Liam and I have sidebar chats about this all the time during work and probably, you know, don't get as much done as we could because we're discussing them. But we want to look at this and, and, and rank the top seven. And I think that, you know, starting from seven and counting down, I, I think this is going to be really interesting because, again, you were so young when it came out. I was in my 20s when it came, when they when they started coming out. So I think we're going to react to these movies differently. But I, I'm curious to see if we wind up having similar rankings here. Um, and, and and I'm I'm just ready to dive in if you are Liam. 
Oh, absolutely. I did want to say that while you made the executive decision to not include the Avengers movies, I was on board with that because it's impossible to rank the seven best Marvel movies and not include any of the Avengers movies because you have to take narrative into account when you're ranking movies. And obviously the Avengers movies are more important than every other movie. So I think, yeah, it's going to move the ball forward more than anything. Yeah, they move the ball forward. It's going to be good stuff. And uh, let's just launch right into it. All right, Liam, what is your number seven ranked Marvel Cinematic Universe movie? All right, my number seven ranked Marvel Cinematic Universe movie is the first Captain America movie. Uh, I will admit to everybody, including you, Ryan, that I'm a huge sucker for origin stories. I love the original character development more than I love anything else in the Marvel Cinematic Universes. All of the first versions of every movie, except for the Thor series, my favorite is the first one. I like Captain America in particular because it is, and it, this this hurts it sometimes, and I don't think it's aged as well as a lot of the other ones, but it helps that it's just, it's simple. It's the most simple of all of the Marvel movies, I would even argue, because especially once you get past the first iterations of all of these superhero movies, they start to delve into the shades of gray aspect of yes. whatever the plot is going to be, which they have to do and they should do. It keeps things interesting. And you're none of the modern movie times have as simple as we fight Nazis, Nazis bad. And so I appreciate that. But it's just I think Captain America's origin story is the most interesting because of the World War Two aspect, because of the super serum kind of whole idea, which is really interesting. And Captain America is, in my opinion, the most likable Avenger. So I like that. I like the character. I like the movie. I thought I was going to have this ranked higher when I was making my list, but I think I ended up as the years go by, while I appreciate the simplicity that I previously mentioned, it also doesn't make it as fun to rewatch as a lot of the other ones. Yeah. There's a lot of good performances in that as well. I mean, Chris Evans as Captain America, like the thing about Marvel is they nailed the casting for everybody. Like ever, like I'm sorry, Robert Downey Jr. Is Tony Stark. Like there's just, there's so many parallels there. Chris Evans being Captain America, just Mr. Everyman, like, you know, incredibly good looking, incredibly big and strong, but like down to earth guy. I mean, you look at Chris Hemsworth and I'm sorry, he's Thor. Like, you know, I mean, so I, I will say that that was, that was the first time that struck me. It, It was in Captain America, just that he was perfect for that role. Haley Atwell's great in that. Uh, Tommy Lee Jones has great scenes in that his little gang of guys that he's, you know, doing missions with everybody's perfect in that. And um, I, I, I love that movie. It's not on my top seven uh, because I think that it hasn't aged as well as some of the others. I went back and rewatched them all during quarantine and subjected my girlfriend to that. And she actually became a huge fan. So Thor Ragnarok was on TV. We watched 15 minutes of it. She's like, are these good? And I'm like, yeah, she's like, well, let's just stop watching this and watch them all. I was like, Bingo. Done. Well, let's do it. Yes. And um, so, yeah, I like that movie. It's not my top seven. I think I, but I I get your reasoning. It is an origin story. He does have the most, it it requires the least exposition to explain his origin story. Small guy really wants to fight the Nazis. Can't do it. Keeps getting rejected. Runs into a guy who's creating a super soldier thing, shoots him up. He's all of a sudden the greatest soldier of all time goes and fights the Nazis. We win USA, USA, USA. Like it's, it's a very simple plot uh, that is fleshed out very well. And you're right. He has the longest and most dedicated origin story. I would say he 
and probably Doctor Strange have the most like it fleshed out path to get to where they're a superhero uh, in the series, in my opinion. So, I, 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 I agree with that. All right. So my number seven is Spider-Man Homecoming. And the reason why is they finally nailed Spider-Man. Like there had been th- two previous tries to get Spider-Man right. And it, there was always something a little off. I mean, I, I was younger you were probably a toddler watching you know toby mcguire uh, uh, do spider-man and then andrew garfield do spider-man and, and the toby mcguire spider-man's got me interested in spider-man a little bit i don't read the comics but you know i sort of followed like what spider-man was actually like and read stuff about it and look it up and i felt like in homecoming which wasn't spider-man's introduction to the mcu he had actually been in captain america civil war in a brief uh sort of way I just thought they nailed the dual aspect of him being a high schooler and also fighting crime. And, you know, they really nailed the aspect of he's still just a kid trying to figure this out while also being this incredibly powerful superhero, while also kind of being a nerd, while also, you know, trying to meet girls and all of that. I just thought that was really well done. And, and, the other aspect I loved was Michael Keaton as a villain. You kind of feel bad for, and you're kind of rooting for as vulture. Like, first of all, I love Michael Keaton. I'm a Michael Keaton stan. I'll watch anything he's in, but also the fact that I thought it was sort of uh, he was, you could see his path to a villain. He wasn't this arch villain, pure evil. He was a guy who kind of got screwed over and decided to fight back and his fighting back veered into being a bad guy. And so that's I, I there's so much in that movie that I really like and that is really well done. And uh, and, and I really thought that they finally nailed Spider-Man without having to give a long exposition filled backstory. They just plopped him into the world and, and took off. And, and I just I thought it was really good. Yeah, I think that's a great choice, even if I don't have any of the Spider-Man movies on my list, because they just I just don't like them as much for me. It's just it's just a personal preference thing. And I did not expect to have a chance on this podcast to talk about the previous Spider-Mans. But I will say that one of my guilty pleasures in movie cinema and cinema you know, culture is Andrew Garfield as Spider-Man. I love those. Wow. Movies. I don't think he's that good of a Spider-Man. I think Tom Holland is, as you said, the best Spider-Man that they've cast. They nailed it with him. They just did. They really did nail it. He's the only one out of the three of that we've seen over the last 20 years who actually manages to appear like a high schooler instead of like a mid-20s guy playing a high schooler. Yes. In terms of just, not just his look, but in terms of the way that he goes about things, the way that he plays a 17-year-old or a 16-year-old. Personality, yeah. Personality was really good. And I thought that Homecoming was really interesting because not only is Michael Keaton a complex villain, it also introduced like, it was one of the, well, maybe not, maybe not one of the first, but it was one of the few movies that addressed sort of the overall impact of these aliens coming to earth and how that impacts impacts the normal man not just like oh yeah there's more enemies yeah like yeah no shit but you know these guys are selling like bootleg alien equipment that they just recovered from new york and that is like their evil kind of overarching art and that's much more interesting than a lot of the things they've done i just don't love the structure of any of the newer spider-man movies it's just a lot of like i don't know maybe it's just my dislike of 
like sort of that cringy humor, like that sort of sure. high school aspect. I'm not a huge fan of that. So personal preference wise, but I do think that that's a good argument to be included. Did, did you ever see the Tobey Maguire Spider-Mans? Uh, yeah, kind of. Uh, I was taken to see. I would it. say watch the first and the second one. Third yeah. one you can completely. Well, the thing first is, and the second ones are good. I watched the first one and I liked it well enough. But then when I saw the second one, I think I was eight. And oh, Doc Ock scared me too bad for me to watch any more of it. So see, and and I what I would say is yeah. So I watched those when I was you know late teens, early twenties, something like that. I don't remember exactly, but the first two are good. Now, in comparison to the current MCU, they're not that good. But at the time, nobody was doing superhero movies like that. And yeah. then obviously, the Batman, the Chris Nolan Batman movies came out, and that sort of changed the the calculus for what a superhero movie could be. Um, so, yeah, but I would say those first two are all right. The third one is a complete waste of time. Uh, and then the, the, the Garfield Batmans were just, or I mean, Spider-Mans were just kind of like, yeah, all right. Be right back with more gold after a word from our sponsors. Go to manscaped.com and use the code FANSIDED20 to get a discount on the Performance Package 4.0. The brand new Lawnmower 4.0 is here to take the podium. The fourth generation trimmer features a cutting edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents thanks to their advanced skin save technology. This package also comes with a weed whacker. Chop your worst weeds up top in both your nose and your ear. This tool is a lock to take home gold in the biathlon. Get 20% off plus free shipping with the code FANSIDED20 at manscaped.com. That's 20% off plus free shipping with the code FANSIDED20 at manscaped.com. All right, Liam, what's number six? Uh, I have what I think might be a somewhat unpopular choice because these movies were the worst, well, maybe not the worst critically acclaimed uh, of all the like MCU series, but definitely the least popular among your casual fan, which is Ant-Man, the first one. I love Ant-Man. I love Ant-Man. I think that it, it's a unique movie in that it has... The original. A, We're talking the original. The yeah. original, yeah. The second one was fine, and it set up a lot of implications. But the first one is on my top seven. The second one is not. And I just really like Paul Rudd, obviously. But I do like that the tone of those movies is really light. It's lighthearted while still taking on like relatively serious topics. And the only other movies that really embrace that wholehearted lightness is the new spider-man movies which they sort of i mean those are marketed towards kids more than any of these yes. rest of them are because it features a teenage superhero so that makes sense and then there's guardians of the galaxy the first one the second one got very dark but the first one was a little bit more like jovial and sort of jokey and that was you know that was cool but ant-man leaned into it like as a genre it is a comedy action movie rather than an action comedy movie is how i view it and i really enjoyed it i thought that you know the and the, oh, it has T.I., so point there. Uh, but <laughs> the plot was good. I think that the kind of the, the, the whole like, concept of the Pym particle and kind of the running plot that that presented was really interesting as far as the overarching implications of what that meant for the rest of the MCU. And I thought that the casting was really good for all the side characters. Paul Rudd is a pretty good Ant-Man. I think there are I think he's people great. who could play Ant-Man. I don't think he's like, it's not the same. He's on the same level, I would say, as like, Tony Stark and Robert Downey Jr. Right. Like what you were talking about, but it was still really good. But I think that, you know, Hank Pym and his daughter, like those are perfect casting choices that I think really flesh out the movie. And it's just a good, it's just a good, it's a good watch. If you're hanging out on the couch, 
and it's on cable like halfway through you flip that on and you have yourself a good afternoon and that's true and for sort of be on our list but it's not super emotionally like doesn't jerk you around very much it's just kind of a fun watch yeah and i sort of judge these almost a little bit where like if it's on tv do you have to watch it do you have to watch the rest of it you know what i mean like and and do they stand alone as well as work within the series? And, and, and that's really where I went with it. I, I struggled to leave Ant-Man off. Uh, I could have swapped Ant-Man and Spider-Man Homecoming. And, and by the way, when you talk about like these are the these are less popular than others or maybe a little lower rated critically, they're all fresh on Rotten Tomatoes. Like they're they're all they're all critically acclaimed for the most part like i mean most of them are in the 90s and high 80s on rotten tomatoes which is critical acclaim uh and, and they all make tons of money so it's you know when you're when you're talking about it we're talking about degrees yeah. you know and so ant-man maybe not being the most popular one doesn't mean it's not a great movie that's super popular and i will say i thought paul rudd is great and i think that with i mean thinking about just the premise of the movie is a man who shrinks down to the size of an ant. You cannot take yourself too seriously. If you're doing that movie, <laughs> exactly. like, I'm sorry, you can't. And so I, I, I fully am on board with this choice and I agree with the tone of the movie being fantastic. And I thought Paul Rudd was, was great. Um, and the first one they got, you know, Edgar Wright, Adam McKay and Paul Rudd all helping write the script. Like, you know, so you knew it was going to be a little more lighthearted and, and uh, they were going to, sort of play with the idea of how ridiculous it was. Um, my number six is Iron Man, the original Iron Man that started it all. It's it's such a good movie. And when I went back and watched it, it is it just nails all the beats. And, you know, to to be this thing where you're starting out doing the first one of what is clearly going to be a series because the end credit scene set up that it's going to be a series uh, that's going to involve other superheroes. I mean, it's bold. It's just crazy to even attempt this and looking back now it's like well duh that's obvious but it was such a bold stroke to try and do it to throw to have samuel jackson samuel L. jackson signed up and have him just do a 10 second cameo in the post credits like is just so bold and different but the movie it's on itself stands up to this day and the fact that you get jeff bridges to be the villain I mean, you know, one of the great actors of our time, you get Robert Downey Jr., who they gambled heavily on on having him, on basing a whole franchise around him, gambled heavily given his backstory and his personal struggles and all of that. And they just nailed it. Like in every way, every step of the way, that movie is 100% nailed. And it still holds up to this day. It's one of my one of my favorites and certainly one that when it pops on, I can definitely definitely watch all the way to the end oh absolutely i mean you put it you 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 put it uh you put it very well i have this higher on my list so i'll touch upon some of my more particular likes when i get there but i yeah. mean you know one of the factors that you have to take into consideration when you're ranking these movies is how important they were to like the overall world and there is i don't think a movie more important than the original iron man arguably the most important yeah, yeah it, it proved that a big budget superhero movie can be both critically and you know, money-wise, very successful. And they nailed the casting. It set up the rest of the events of the, for the next 13 years with a simple post credit scene. People liked it. People loved it. I mean, none of this would have happened without Iron Man. If Captain America came out first, it would have been fine. It would have been fun. I think people would still love the MCU. 
but Captain America's whole like trope was pretty standard. Tony Stark as Iron Man is this like entirely different. Like it wasn't just, you know, it wasn't yours. And it wasn't most importantly, it probably, it wasn't your typical like one, a superhero at the time. Well, it also it doesn't Captain follow the Spider-Man. It wasn't yeah. even Captain America. It was like Iron Man who like somebody like myself, like a casual superhero person who really only watches whatever's on the like movie or TVs. I had no idea who Iron Man was going in. And by the end I was like, I will die for Iron Man. Well, and it doesn't follow the typical superhero beats either. He's not a virtuous person in the beginning. He has this transformation. At the end, he doesn't do the Batman thing where he denies who he is. He comes out and it's a twist. He says, oh, yeah, no, I am Iron Man. You know, and it's like that just set the tone for it. I would say the two most important movies on this entire list, two most important movies are Iron Man and not on our lists, but on, on the list of movies, Iron Man and the first Avengers movie. Because yeah. if you if you screw up the first Avengers movie, the whole series just falls apart. Um, but I would say yes, this is this is almost un, undoubtedly the most important movie on the list. Yeah, and it's also really good. Yeah, there you go. So, all right, what do you got at number five, Liam? Uh, number five, I have another Captain America film. I have Captain America: Winter Soldier. I really, so do I. Yep. Oh, there we go. We got. We finally have some agreement. I thought this was really good. It also for me represented. Um, a little bit of a tonal shift. I was just going to say that exact phrase. It, it was a tonal shift in like the scope and the seriousness of these movies because leading up to Captain America Winter Soldier, everything prior to it was definitely still a superhero movie with like these overarching like moral narratives that are pretty cut and dry. And, you know, good person does good thing and everybody sort of rides off into the sunset in the end in some way, shape or form. And it's pretty feel good. Winter Soldier was like dark and grimy and it revealed yeah. that, you know, S.H.I.E.L.D. is actually Hydra and like, all spoilers, I guess. I mean, if you're, <laughs> if you're, if you're this far in, the second you're, Captain America movie, I don't know what to tell you, but. You've I, had seven years, people. Yeah, exactly. And then bringing, I mean, bringing back Bucky was a fun stroke, but just like the way what he ended up becoming was not at all the cheery sort of like buddy, buddy demeanor that yep. Captain America had with even his adversaries in the first one. It just kind of, it showed. How about the introduction, the brilliant introduction of Anthony Mackie as Falcon? Mm -hmm. Like, I mean that, like he has gone on to be a really important part of this and obviously important part of the future, but like, just his casting as like a sidekick in that movie was they nailed it. They absolutely nailed bringing him in and, and their choice there and how to use him sort of sparingly in the first movie and not, you know, sort of, this is a new guy here, you know, like yeah. they kind of, he is, he's a sidekick in that movie and they establish him slowly and knowing that he's going to be a part of it where they can unfold his backstory over time. Um, I, I thought that was brilliant as well. You got Robert Redford in it is the bad guy, you know, I mean, they just, you're, you're right. They nail so many aspects of this tonal shift and look, Thor, the dark world came out months before that, but it was the previous movie. It came out in like November and winter soldier was in April. So there've been a, a, a significant amount of time there, but Thor, the dark world was dark and it was kind of a, a bummer at times. And it's, I think it is the lowest reviewed Marvel movie. It's still in like this high sixties, but it's it's the lowest review Marvel movie. And so when they came out with Captain America Winter Soldier, it's you're right, it's dark and different and explores a lot of the gray areas of this whole thing. They start exploring like, well, you know, 
is it okay that these people are operating with impunity? Like, does that lead to the government operating with impunity? Like, it really starts to explore some real world, you know, like, like tying it to the real world. Like, what would this actually be like if these superheroes are running around? And what does it mean? Like, what does the government do if it's got all this technology and power and, and things like that? So I, it is very interesting how they shifted there. And then they followed it up with guardians of the galaxy, which is a goofy movie as if it was like, okay, you guys need a break. Yeah. Like from the, from the dark kind of like introspection of these last two. Um, I, don't think, I don't think it was a surprise by any means that they went into the gray area, but what was important about this movie was that they showed that they could execute it. Well, yes. Like yeah. Watching that movie and then coming out of it, you're like, okay, they can do this. Like, it doesn't have to be... They can take things a little more seriously. Yeah, they can take things seriously. And, like, Iron Man wasn't that cheery. It was pretty messed up for, like, a lot, a large part of it. But it was still... There was a lot of, like, you know, humor injected into it because Tony Stark is just a ridiculous person and that sort of thing. But this was the first where, like, you, you would describe the overall movie, not just parts of it, the overall movie as, like, a darker tenor. And for them to be able to do that, for Chris Evans to be able to kind of start to play this disillusioned Captain America. Like how can Captain America be disillusioned? And he yep. plays it believably and like the way that his conflict with Bucky kind of parallels his conflict with S.H.I.E.L.D. and the way that all of it unfolds. And then the scene at the end is just fucking awesome. I mean, it was, it was a great movie and it just really, I mean, it's one of my favorites just because it is, it, it, it's pretty simple for me. It's what you said before. It's like, if the Winter Soldier's on TV, I'm finishing it and the answer is always <laughs> Well, and it, it, there's also a great, there's also several great fight scenes. There's the one in the elevator where he asks if anybody wants to get out before they fight. Like, you know, it's just a badass scene. Like uh, <laughs> just lots of good stuff in there. So we both have that at number five. Where you got, where are you going for number four, Liam? Number four is the one you just mentioned, the immediate movie subsequent to Winter Soldier. I have Guardians of the Galaxy. As do I. Back to back. <laughs> yeah. Back to back. I wonder, oh no, we're not going to have the same top three, but definitely we'll, not. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see what happens. But yeah, no, I just, you know, Guardians of the Galaxy is just a fun, fun movie. And it, it starts in that opening scene. Yeah. Where he's, where he's got the headphones on and he's, he's dancing around singing. Like it just, it starts with a certain tone and it keeps that throughout the entire movie. And the fact that James Gunn, the director was able to nail that and nail just the tone of the movie and be able to like, if it's something's goofy, it's hard to maintain that for two and a half hours or whatever it is, two hours. And he just nailed it. Like it's fun. It's has serious aspects, but it's all the way along. It's fun. It ends with a dance off. Like it, it you know, like there's just, it's just so well done. Yeah. From start a, to finish. Yeah. It's a, it's just a great movie. And I think, uh, well, the soundtrack cannot be missed obviously unbelievable the best soundtrack of all the marvel movies perhaps well i won't say combined because thor ragnarok has an outstanding soundtrack I won't it does short thor ragnarok but the other thing about guardians of the galaxy that i was actually thinking about last night because i just finished up loki was that it was the first movie to give thanos some real screen time and some yep. real, like fleshing out and so when you want to talk about from a narrative aspect how important that movie is like thanos isn't nearly as fun of a villain if he doesn't play the role that he does in guardians of the galaxy like absolutely that not. is the first and really the only one leading up to uh infinity war where he really ends up playing like a relatively main role and you can't leave 
that for that reason alone, you can't really leave this movie out of consideration for the top seven best Marvel movies. But then on top of it all, it's a really well executed movie. They managed to get everybody to start working together without kind of making it feel forced because it's kind of like the Guardians of the Galaxy are their own mini Avengers group. Where yes. instead of having, you know, five movies to give everybody an origin story and explore their motivations and then like be able to line it up as to why they want to work together. They sort of threw everybody together and they were like, they're working together, not because they need or not because they like each other, but because they have to. And then it just gradually unravels from there in a, in a way that doesn't feel forced. It makes sense. And then you have your fun ending and then it launches into the second. I mean, it's just, it's just a great movie. It's a solid nine out of 10 movie for me that I will always enjoy watching. Even if it even falls into the category for me, if I just can only catch the first half on TV, I'm still going to do it. Even if I can't catch the second half. For sure. No. And and, uh, Chris Pratt in researching this, I I found that Chris Pratt said that uh, he thought Peter Quill, star Lord uh, was a mix of Han Solo and Marty McFly, and I've never heard anything described more perfectly. Like that is that is exactly uh-huh. who he is. That that's it. He nailed. Uh-huh. Yep, he nailed that character. That <laughs> he did. And then you know, just look. It's a loaded cast. Zoe Saldana, uh, Vin Diesel, Bradley Cooper. Obviously, their voiceovers. Who technically who technically counts? We have to. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then the the choice to have. Dave Batista, who wasn't really a wrestler or or an actor at the time, very, he was trying to be, but he was just known as big wrestler guy to play the role of Drax, who is a lot of comic relief. Like he's not just going out and punching people and, and being physical. He's supposed to provide some comic relief. And, and that was a really bold choice and he nailed it. I mean, it was fantastic, but then you got Lee Pace is running the accuser. Like, Lee Pace is an awesome actor. Michael Rooker as Yondu. Karen Gillan as Nebula. I mean, that cast is absolutely... John C. Riley is in it. Like, Glenn Close, Benicio Del Toro. Like, how do you get that cast together? And when you have a cast that good and a director that good, you're going to nail it. And they absolutely did. And it's certainly one of the most fun movies that in of the last decade. Like, it's just fun. Yeah, like there's no it definitely doesn't take itself seriously or any of that. It reminds me sort of has like an Indiana Jones ish vibe where you're kind of winking at what's going on the whole time. And I, I love that movie. I, I, I could watch that anytime. Yeah, it's fantastic. And I think that one of the things that I've grown to appreciate about that movie as the years have gone on is that it was the first movie Marvel movie to take place only in space yes too. that too the thor movies had asgard as their kind of like home base and they more or less took place either on there on earth with some space stuff thrown in there but this was only in space and they did it really well they didn't make it feel like they were just kind of planet hopping with no real aim or anything like they Mm. would you know they would go to places and they introduced this whatever they call their hyperspace jumping i don't remember right but they introduced that without anybody really blinking an eye and i mean it just could have been so convoluted like take throwing it into like the universe at large and being like okay so outside of earth people can go literally wherever they want and here's a movie about them doing just that that could have been ridiculous but instead it actually ended up kind of feeling like small while the scope was big the actual i was just gonna say all the the way that they did the plot feels big in an appropriate way but not to the point where you're kind of like overwhelmed by what's going on and it was really 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 important for them to nail that obviously especially given what was coming in the future what's happened recently with all of the multiverse development they've been doing so 
All right, Liam. So we've we've been the same for five and four. What do you got at number three? And at number three, I have the original Iron Man. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah. I, I think that's that I could. So Iron Man, like it's hard to rank these because they're all good. You know, I could see Iron Man being much higher, especially given its importance. So tell me what you give me some bullet points. on. I that. mean, it's just it's the first it's the first one. I think that, you know, I you can argue a lot of different movies belong in the top three. It speaks to how good these are. But I think really when it comes down to it, when everybody's personal list ends up coming down to at least a little bit is a little bit of a nostalgia factor. And for me, there is no one better than Iron Man. Like Iron Man was the first Avengers movie. I will always remember watching it. I will always remember being so astonished that Iron Man got blown up in the first 15 minutes of the movie and thrown into a cave. I was blown away. I had no idea what to expect. And then they subverted those expectations. And then, I mean, Tony Stark is maybe my favorite character in the entire MCU, which is not exactly a hot take by any means, but it really, it, it demonstrated how layered he is as a character. And it was, you know, for... 12 year old Liam an extremely impressive acting job by this guy named Robert Downey Jr. Who I never heard of outside of Tropic Thunder. <laughs> so I, I, he, you know, he did a great job, but just the, the layers and complexity of Iron Man, the superhero, and then Tony Stark, the person were put on display in a way that very few other superhero movies managed to do because most of the other superhero characters aren't as conflicted as Tony Stark is and so for that reason and for you know my own personal kind of fond memories of it I have to rank it top three especially considering you know like I said before when we were talking about this if they fuck up Iron Man none of this happens and not only did they not do that they absolutely knocked it out of the ballpark yeah I I I really I, I I can't argue with that at all I really can't argue with the reasoning on it it's not my number three uh, my number three is Black Panther. Uh, I, as we're talking about great casting and perfect tone and just nailing something, Black Panther from top to bottom is just perfectly done. I mean, the fact that they get Michael B. Jordan, who's a huge star, to play the villain, the fact that they nailed Chadwick Boseman was perfect in that role. Obviously, RIP to, to Chadwick Boseman, but uh, like just down the list to get Martin Freeman as kind of your liaison to the U S and CIA in there. Um, Lupita Nyong'o. Like, I mean, you can just go, go down the list. Winston Duke as Mbaku, like everybody in this was perfect for their role. The way they portray Wakanda made everybody want to live there. This whole idea of, them battling to kind of keep their world to themselves because of what's happened to other African countries when they've been open with the rest of the world. And then you've got this whole other narrative of like a young guy trying to become King and try and rule while also, you know, being a superhero and uh, like the, the themes in it are great. The visuals in it are incredible. The way that they presented and this world that nobody had ever heard of Wakanda you know, and open that up to the world and, and why it had never been seen before and all of that stuff. Um, you know, it works all the way through. And the fact it, it doesn't shock me that it was nominated for best picture at the Academy Awards either. And it's such a well done movie top to bottom. It stands alone on its, it stands on its own as well too there's not a whole lot of outside marvel influences in it it is its own contained movie while also being obviously leading into a huge part of what's going to come next because infinity war 
was the movie after Black Panther and they lead into that. But I just think that it's just, yeah, just so incredibly well done top to bottom. And you go back and it's also a very important movie when you look at a black superhero getting that kind of exposure in the middle of this mm. enormous franchise and maybe becoming the coolest one is, is an incredibly impactful uh, moment, I think, in the series. Absolutely. And one of the things I really liked about Black Panther was that, you know, the overarching theme of the MCU as it relates to us little guys on Earth is that there's a whole lot happening around us that we have no idea about, but it's because we can't go to space. We haven't invented space technology yet, or we aren't at the same technological level and we don't have like literal, most of us don't have literal superpowers and aren't gods and things of that nature. But this movie was like, hey, there's something going on in your own backyard that nobody knew about because they wanted it that way. That was a really interesting concept. I think they explored it really well. It just didn't make my list because I didn't really love the writing in the movie. I thought it was a little clunky at times and they tried to shoehorn in some pop culture references that would have appeased me when I was a teenager. But when I was when I watched it when I was like 23 or whatever, I was like, eh, you know, funny for sure. I didn't super love it. But I mean, obviously, I can't deny it that you said it. it's a great movie. It's a really important movie for a variety of reasons. And yeah, no, it's just a, it's just a good it's a really good piece of work. And it makes me so sad that Chadwick Boseman can't reprise that role anymore. But I do think yeah. that you're, overall, the my favorite of the points that you just made is that it is one of the very few Marvel movies that like truly does stand on its own. Like if there was never a Black Panther sequel, people would be disappointed. But that movie is so self-contained that it doesn't feel like you're missing out on anything after the fact. And my, you know, your filmmaker was insane. So you're sitting here criticizing. You're sitting here criticizing the writing, Liam, and it got a 96 on Rotten Tomatoes. So that's all I'm going to say. Is <laughs> it was a personal preference thing. I'm not a movie critic. Let's come on the podcast with you right now. We're taking a break from writing about Aaron fucking Rogers. This is true. Uh, all right, what do you got at number two, buddy? All right, number two. So I said this to you before we started recording. It is cheating just a little bit to have this movie in here because it is a I know where you're going. Avengers movie, but Captain America Civil War as my second favorite Marvel movie. That movie was just so ridiculously good. I mean, it takes a lot of what we talked about as far as this delving into the gray area aspects of superhero dumb and then applies it in a far more literal manner than I ever expected them to, where they're like, we need to write into law that you can't do whatever you want to do. And the ideological differences between the Avengers on that viewpoint was actually fleshed out really, really, really well. And you kind of agree with both sides. And then you add in the interpersonal conflict of Tony Stark and Bucky and Captain America. And like Your two America. biggest stars are fighting like exactly. your two biggest superheroes. The two captains of this team are fighting. Yeah. And it was, just, and I mean, then you have the gigantic end battles, or not quite end, but two thirds of the way through battle scene where all of the Avengers basically show up. I don't know if I can't remember off the top of my head if everybody was missing, but it was at least Thor, Thor and Hulk were gone. Thor and Hulk were not there, but otherwise it was everybody. And it was just that, I mean, the whole battle scene was awesome. You're never going to see the Avengers, you're probably never going to see the Avengers fight each other like that again. So it is a truly legitimately unique moment in the MCU. Although, I guess with the multiverse thing, anything can happen. But as we stand right now, you're never going to see them face off like that. You don't really understand how their powers complement each other until you see them going against each other. And, I mean, 
if they just had that as the centerpiece of the movie, I would have been like, yeah, that was sick. But on top of that, they have like a really, really interesting plot. I think probably the most interesting subplot of all the Marvel movies is this thing going on with Captain America and Iron Man. And it, they just, they, they killed it. They like, it was a movie that really reminded you because the Avengers movies, the actual Avengers movies are as much about the villain as they are about the superheroes. This was about superheroes fighting with each other, which shined a spotlight on how damn good all of the casting choices were in these movies. Like they all were on screen for the entire time. They all got their individual opportunities to shine. And you'll, I mean, it's just such a rare occurrence. They all work very well together. And it takes, you have to take a lot of your ego out of the equation as an actor to work with that many other good people and allow each, every other person to shine a little bit. Mm -hmm. And they all bought in. I mean, clearly they did the Avengers movies too. And they all bought in. Uh, That movie is, it's number one for me. It's I've got that number one. It's not number two, but it's on your list. It is on. It's it's number one. And the reasons are what you laid out. First of all, you're right. It is cheating because it's basically an Avengers movie. But here's the crazy part about that. As you mentioned with the villains in the Avengers movies are like the whole focus of, you know, everything. The villain in that movie is like a C plot line. It's 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 Zemo who later shows up in spoiler alert Falcon and the Winter Soldier who's great and Daniel I think it's Daniel Bruges plays him and he is fantastic. Yeah, he's um, a psychopath. I love him. Great, he's so good, and it's kind of like a little bit in in Falcon and the Winter Soldier it becomes a little bit likable, uh, which is kind of you know. God help us. But I mean, <laughs> but here's the other thing about that is that they seamlessly introduce two new Avengers in that movie with Black Panther and uh, Spider Man. And you don't blink an eye. You're not like, oh, my God, this is so distracting because it's they fit right in. And it becomes, you know, and they each get a chance to shine a little bit. And, you know, Spider-Man in that big battle sequence is arguably the most entertaining part of that whole battle sequence as he's, you know, fighting multiple guys and like joking about it and being like, wow, that was awesome. You know, like that kind of wide eyed while punching people is my favorite. Yes, like, like very <laughs> wide eyed kind of like excitement from him. You also get Paul Rudd showing up and, and, you know, as, as Ant-Man, like shaking Captain America's hand too long and being like, you, you're great too. You know, I mean, so he's like us, like, oh my God, all these people are together. And then of course, Black Panther gets introduced as sort of like the heart of the plot line where his father gets killed and now he's a king and all this. And then you reveal that he's actually a superhero too. There's so much going on there and it's not surprising to me that after what they did in Winter Soldier, that Anthony and Joe Russo were picked to do this really important movie and then were picked to do the last two Avengers movies as well because they handled all of it, such big personalities, such big concepts, all of that. They handled that really well. And like you said earlier, making big action seem small is really important. And it's something that DC-type movies never got. Like they're throwing people and making buildings collapse and all this and it's like, okay, well, then can you actually hurt somebody if they can, you can throw them through a building and it falls on them and they stand up like there's, there's, they are really good at making those big battles feel intimate. And, and it's, I don't know what the, uh, what the secret sauce is on that, but it's, it's gotta be really tough to get to because very few people have nailed it. So yes, I've got that at number one. And I had to talk about, it cause you talked about it at number two. Be right back with more gold after a word from our sponsors. My number two is Thor Ragnarok, a movie I absolutely love. 
I absolutely. It's your number one. Okay. After Thor, the dark world, which was really dark and brooding and rough. They brought in movie. It was a bad, they, they (laughs) brought in a genius in Taika Waititi to sort of understand that the concept of Thor is ridiculous. He's a God, a Norse God who they turned into a superhero. This movie has a ton of heart in it, a ton of backstory. It has an unbelievable villain with Kate Blanchett playing it. They, they introduced Jeff Goldblum. You bring the Hulk back. Like it's very tongue in cheek. It's very much winking at itself and having fun at how ridiculous it is. But at the same time, there's a ton of heart in it. There's a ton of great action and fight scenes. Uh, just the, the, we've wanted Hulk and Thor to fight since the Avengers and it never happened. And then boom, they get, we get a scene where it's just them fighting, but it was, you know, you meet Korg and Meek in the prison and we love Korg. He's one of my favorite characters in MCU. Um, yeah, I, I just think that this whole movie top to bottom was so fantastic. And since it's your number one, let's, let's go nuts. Go talk about it. I'm going to work backwards a little bit. The reason that I had this over Captain America Civil War is pretty simple. The ending of Captain America Civil War made me very sad. The ending of Thor Ragnarok, well, obviously resulted in the spoiler alert destruction of Asgard. It was still very heartwarming. It's like, oh, Loki's back in the fold and the Valkyrie is now back to being awesome. And Thor has completely changed from being kind of like a haughty Asgardian superhero who clearly looks down on everybody around him into being like an actual hero of the people. And he's all battle scarred. It was just awesome. I mean, the movie checks every box. It's like you listed. You got your very important character development moments from not only Thor and Loki, but from the Hulk as well. You have awesome awesome action scenes i still look, go on youtube like once every couple of months to rewatch the battle scene on the bridge because that is yep. my second favorite battle scene in the mcu my first is what i was going to mention but i forgot on the last entry is captain america and uh iron man's fist fight in the bus yes it was so awesome but that i mean the just mowing through wave after wave of enemies with the music blasting in the background and everybody's powers working in tandem. And then it ends with this apocalyptic monster exploding through the Asgardian palace. I mean, there is literally no legit. I don't think there's a legitimate critique you can have of this movie that knocks it down a peg from one of the best Marvel movies. And just in terms of overall movie objectivity, I would say from a watchability standpoint, it's my favorite. Yeah. Uh, I think that Captain America Civil War eclipses it because of how important it is. And one thing about Captain America Civil War we never mentioned is the end scene where he gets the phone from, you know, and they kind of make up at the end, you know, it, it, like, you know, with the I'll be there if you need me. That kind of because of the development of the future there, that's kind of important. But I would, but as far as just a watchability of a movie, Thor Ragnarok just crushes it for me and again you talk about the character development of thor really being humbled and finally you talk about you know uh, you learn bruce banner doesn't want to be hulk ever again like he really doesn't and the the scene where he jumps out of the plane and and, and lands on the <laughs> lands on the uh he just he's like I'm, I'm gonna be basically i'm jumping out and i'm gonna be hulk again and he lands on that that bridge and just <laughs> splats down uh, just so many great beats of humor inter- interspersed with a really 
like thinker of a movie and and, as the development of Loki, who all of a sudden realizes that, Hey, maybe it's not so great to always be screwing everybody over. Maybe I could help people and be a hero and, Oh, look at this. They all love me. Um, Carl Urban as, as Scourge is great. And that another like side, great side casting from Marvel, but it's just from a watchability perspective. That's one I could watch anytime, no matter what mood I'm in and love it. Uh, Civil War is a little heavier, but I think that just for what it did for the MCU moving forward, it eclipses Thor, but barely, man. I love Ragnarok. It's such a great movie. Yeah, I think it toes the line between complicated and simple. Like, yes, it's not so simple that there isn't a lot of like complexity to it because there is a lot of complexity in the way that all these events unfold. But the end goal remains simple. You have no, like Captain America in Civil War, you know, you don't know who you're rooting for half the time. Yeah. Like there is no scene I have felt more torn as a Marvel fan than watching Captain America and Iron Man duke it out because you understand both sides. But with Thor Ragnarok, it's an easier, more enjoyable watch because you're like, I want Thor to come out the other side of this better. And I want Loki after who's went through like a very gradual, uh, what's the word before, perception overhaul over the previous like five or so movies since the first Avengers, you want him to come back in the fold and you want to understand what the hell is happening with Bruce Banner because he's been MIA since age of Ultron. Yeah. <laughs> it was, it, 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 it was complicated enough that it keeps you engaged and it keeps you thinking, but it wasn't so complicated that you start to feel conflicted or that it gets like into too many layers. And I'm not saying that Captain America Civil War did get into too many layers because I think it was perfect as it is, but just from that aspect of we once again go back to the is this on tv like i can watch 10 minutes of thor ragnarok and be like all right i'm good like that was really that was a very enjoyable watch or i can watch the entire thing and feel equally as satisfied and there aren't a lot of movies that help balance that you watch 10 minutes of civil war and you're like well now i need to watch the rest of it. yes so the ragnarok right. you just watch you know hulk and thor fighting and you're like all right that was good now i gotta get back to work or whatever and there aren't a lot of marvel movies that manage to hit that mark but this one hits it perfectly and it is my favorite marvel movie ever there you go, folks. That's our top seven. That's the best of seven Marvel movies. Uh, thank you to my guest host this week, Liam McCune. Absolutely, uh, Ryan. Thank chilling, you. In, chilling in Boston for a while. How's things, Liam? You good? Oh, yeah. Things are great. I, as I mentioned on the podcast, I wrapped up Loki finally. I had been missing the opportunity to watch the finale for the last couple of weeks, and it was absolutely buck wild if you are an <laughs> fan listening to this and you haven't watched it that should be the next thing on your list high priority best of all the marvel tv shows so far by a long shot and if we had included it in a ranking of our best if we, this was the best seven marvel media pieces or whatever it would have been top five wow bold statement from liam i loved loki as well i finished it last week uh follow liam on twitter at liam underscore mcke O-N-E. Follow me at Rumors and Rants. Follow the big lead for all the latest in sports. Go to thebiglead.com. We have plenty of content for you to check it out and stay tuned for the next episode of the Best of Seven podcast. Thanks for listening, everybody. Please argue with our decisions. Send us notes on Twitter. We want to hear from you. I appreciate you listening. We will talk to you next time.